Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, let me just teach, preach for a few moments. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Do not leave that phrase out. If you leave that phrase out, you can complicate this thing of parenting. It's not enough to obey your parents. It's to obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Simply, the writer says, because it's right. That's pretty good. Sounds like my daddy. Verse two, honor your father and mother. Notice the phrase there, the terminology, because it's going to change. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Verse three, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. How many have ever heard your mom and dad say that to you? Anybody? I know I have. Boy, if you want to live long, you better listen or you're not going to live long. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't think he was quoting King James. It was more King Bob, but I understood what he was saying. Now watch the change here, though. We're talking about mothers, fathers, children. But watch what Paul does in the spirit. Something changes right here. Sister Dot, there's a change. And you, fathers. He now, mothers, don't get mad with me here, but there's something that pertains to verse four that is only in link with fathers. Now, I know what somebody's gonna say, but, but pastor, I'm a single mom. Understand my phrase tonight. I'm not excluding you here. I'm just saying that there's a challenge of the spirit to fathers because fathers have a way to lift or to tear down. I'll talk about that this morning. We have a way to lift up to the next generation or we have a way to tear down to the next generation. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up, not them bring you up, but bring them up in training and admonition of the Lord. That's what I want to talk about this morning just for a few moments. I want to preach on the spirit-filled father. The spirit-filled father. Would you stretch your hand this way, please? Pastor Russell, if you would, pray over me. Ask the body to have ears to hear, please. Well, once again, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to pray that you would touch it. Lord, give him the words that you would have him to say. Lord, then allow us to hear and to put into practice what you are speaking to us today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ephesians has been called the crown jewel of the New Testament. No other book in the New Testament describes completely the nature of the body of Christ and the true nature of it in the church. The phrase to be in Christ sets forth in order how to live as a believer. It flows throughout Ephesians. To be in Christ, to be in Christ. It is a positional thing, but it's a little bit different than the first four letters of the New Testament. Not as we read them as in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but I'm speaking to you as the fourth letters in order in the New Testament. They use this phrase, Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But Ephesians changes that. It begins to use the terminology to be in Christ. So in Ephesians, there's a change. Why? Because it addresses everything that affects a New Testament spirit-filled believer from their warfare to their relationships. From their warfare to their relationships. Relationships, why? Because a spirit-filled believer is not filled to be on an island unto themselves. But we have been filled or baptized in the Holy Ghost that we might do service for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can somebody say Amen. When I came to Watt Hollow for my trial sermon, I will never forget it. I preached from the book of Ephesians chapter five. Really haven't touched on Ephesians since then. But I was reminded this week at camp meeting in the altar that when I came to Watt Hollow, God gave me a vision. 
I would like to tell you that it was about buildings and structures, but it was not. I would like to tell you it was about protocol and programs and charts, but it was not. The one vision that I pray that I stayed in my mind is that a church was on fire. It was set ablaze. And from that church would go out close to the church. There were households that would start, a light would hit them and they would become on fire. And then the next house and the next house and the next house. And it was spread out in my mind as I prayed. I saw a vision of households becoming ablaze with the glory and the fire of Almighty God. God took me back this week and reminded me that he has not sent me here to promote myself or to promote myself by accolades or titles, but to preach powerfully upon our heavy anointing that people would be changed and go back to their homes and their communities and their homes and their relationships will be set on fire for the glory of God. That they would be baptized in the Holy Ghost and because of that baptism, it would change not only their life, but change every life that come in contact with their life. I come by this church this morning after camp meeting to let you know once again that it's still my mandate as a man of God not to babysit, not to walk you through the tulips of the church or the tithe dollars of the church, but to preach in such a way that would turn hearts of being back to God and children back to God that their heart might be set on fire for the glory of God by the power of the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen if you believe that? To do this, I, I can't preach on all of Ephesians. I just want to speak on relationships, and I really want to speak on one relationship. To understand that by being filled with the Spirit or baptized in the Spirit, we are to engage our culture now, our community, our homes, our children, our wives. Chapter 5 speaks of marriage. We're to engage them in such a way that by our lights, our life, our attitude, and our actions, all that we do, all that we say, all that we are, or all that we ever shall be, that when somebody has contact with me, they know that I'm not myself, but I belong to somebody else. That by how I respond to your criticism, how I respond to when my wife upsets me, how do I respond to when my children disappoint me, how I rear them, raise them, and guide them and lead them. All that I do and all that I am, I am reflecting something inside of me that's greater than me. Because we have been taught that we are Christians and since we have been saved, we have nothing else to worry about. It's not that thought that scares me. It's the thought after that that scares me. I'm not debating your theology on salvation. I'm just telling you. If you say that, you're, you, say that you are saved, then live like you are saved. Let's not debate theology of, of how salvation or when salvation or how long salvation. Let's just talk about salvation. Daddy, if you say that you are saved, then let me hear your children say that you are saved. I feel him now. Granddaddy, let me ask you, not what I think about you, not what the church perceives about you. What does your home say about you? Does your children want to be around you? Do they want to know the God that you know? Because the God that you know is so powerful, it changed you in such a way that not only your actions and your attitude have been changed, everything around you has been changed. And they know that if the world has been set on fire, my daddy is a godly man. He is going to behave in a godly way. He is not perfect, but he is filled with the Spirit and he will respond and act as a spirit-filled man of God because he is who he says he is. I didn't ask you what you sing. I don't care what type of singing you like. I don't care what singing you went to. I don't care if you like me or not. I'm asking you if you say that you have this Holy Ghost, the writer here now tells me then you will have relationships that will resemble that you have this Holy Ghost. 
I didn't ask you about your tongue. I didn't ask you about your discernment this morning. I didn't even ask you about your word of wisdom. I'm still in my introduction. I'm trying to get somewhere. I just ask you if you claim to be the spirit-filled Christian, then please tell me that your home is on fire tonight. That back at 415, Aiden Nolan knows that I am who I say I am. I'm not perfect, but he knows that daddy is filled with the Holy Ghost, not by just what I say, but also my attitude as well. Or Brother Nolan, I don't have to do that. I am my old man. Then you must bypass chapter 5, verse 21, because in chapter 5, Paul sets this order from slave to master, bond to free, husband to wife, father to son, father to daughter, and pastor to parishioner, and back and forth. He says in verse 21, submit yourself to another, to another in the fear of Almighty God. God. Why, Brother Nolan? I'm glad you asked. Because we can do in the spirit what the world cannot do on their own flesh. I get mad with Brother Russell. Doesn't mean I've got to quit church. It just means I go to him in the spirit and I work it out with him. And if I'm wrong, I ask for forgiveness and we make it right. I didn't have to call Facebook. I didn't have to tweet about it. Hello? I didn't have to post a Facegram, Insta message or whatever you kids do. I'm still hung up on MySpace. Hello? I got ADD. I like how MySpace lets you have a picture and music. Oh, that sounds good. Praise God. You understand? That's what, I'm still way back there, but we don't have to do that. He lets me know that if I say that I am somebody, let me do it by knowing that in my relationships, listen to me, I'm not pastoring for buildings. I'm pastoring for relationships. I'm not pastoring for accolades. I'm here for people and not privilege. Are you listening this morning? That's what the writer says. Why? Because what I cannot submit to in the flesh, I can submit to in the spirit. How can I tell older people in this church to do things when they've done it longer than I have been saved? While they might not submit to me because of age, they will through scripture and that brings harmony to the body of Christ. Paul was imperative here that in every relationship he wants to reflect that we are who we say we are. Why? Because we are representing Christ in us and since Christ is in us, then let Christ live in us. So let me talk about one relationship and i close. Since it's being Father's Day, we'll pick up now in Ephesians 6 and 1. Somebody say amen. Y'all quiet on me. I just came from camp meeting. I'm fired up this morning. Amen. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Not just to obey, but to obey them in the Lord. To obey means to stand up under. It is a military word. When, when Brother Wayne Deep was in the military, some of our great veterans, they didn't tell the drill sergeant, I don't think I feel like doing that today. They came up under his authority because they were supposed to come up under his authority or else. Any military say amen today. Amen. So what happens here, it is the same word. It means to stand under. Why, Brother Nolan? Children, listen to me quickly. I don't want to obey my parents in the Lord. Well, the Bible says not only to do it, but you say why. He says why. Because it's right. Amen. I got one right. Amen. Then in verse 2 and 3, not only is it right, it's an obedience of that attitude that brings about a lifelong provision. Because a nasty attitude on the inside will reveal itself on the outside and it is not acceptable in the body of Christ. I don't care if you're 16 or 66. We come up under authority, up under that umbrella because it is right. We stand up under it. And not only do we stand up under it, we know it's right and we do that right thing knowing God is pleased. 
Let's just look at the father and the children this morning. Notice what it says here. First of all, in verse two, it speaks about moms and dads. But in verse four, it only speaks about fathers. It is this call for a spirit-filled father to bring up his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. First of all, it tells them not to provoke them to anger. Have I ever done this? I believe I have. Any other father would agree with me that maybe one time you provoke your child to anger. Would you raise your hand really tall so I won't feel alone on the island? Amen. I've done that. Maybe it's because Aiden is so much like me, they say. But understand, he says, don't bring them to this anger. Why? This anger is not just to get mad. It means it's anger which pushes, pushes, listen to me, pushes our children to rebellion. It's powerful. He says to the spirit-filled man today, do not lead your child to rebellion. Do not get so wroth in yourself with your rules and regulations that may not even be biblical. My brother Nolan, in the Old Testament, said this one time. In the Old Testament, we had 10 laws. And then the children of Israel thought, you know what, this is not enough. Let me add 620 more. Nobody, 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 nobody can live up to the laws of the Old Testament. Nobody. That's why the church of God believes, it's in our minutes, that we govern our life by the New Testament. By governing our life by the New Testament, we fulfill all the laws of the Old Testament, but we do not do it on our flesh. We do it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Fathers, do not provoke your children to a place of wrath where they completely lose and break ground and run from you and fight against authority. You must understand at this time when Paul writes this, this is revolutionary. In the Roman world of Paul's day, a man did not even have to take his child. Anthony, when you had, had Victoria, at that day, a Roman man could have said, you know what, no, I don't like her. I'm, I'm, she's out. And you by all right, you could have got rid of your baby and there would nobody think bad of you. You could have got rid of her. But let's just say Russell was your son and Russell was the only son that you ever wanted. You can look at Russell and you go, I wanted a boy. I didn't want a girl. I wanted a boy. I'm going to take this boy and they would pat you on the back. The Romans has such leeway. Paul now shows up saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and he says, that's nonsense. Not only is that stuff nonsense in the world, he says, not only do I want you to love your children, bear your children, he says, but I want to show you how to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is revolutionary. This changes everything. Not only can I not get rid of them anymore. Hello? I know you've said that before. Boy, if you're going to stay in this house. Anybody? I got one. Come on. Everybody else is ready for steakhouse. Listen to me. He says to them, I'm going to show you how. The reason is because God is realizing that if you cause your child to rebel against yourself and him and you claim to be a spirit-filled Christian, most likely you will cause your child to rebel against the Lord because of your false hypocrite testimony on Sunday of claiming to be spirit-filled because you sing your song and you say, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. But yet through racism and prejudice and lies and filthiness of the flesh and debauchery and adultery and everything that goes on, we provoke our children to Go away from our churches. Listen to me. I know where I'm at. And I know what I'm about to say. And I want you to stay with me. We have lost generations in the church of God. Now we can hide. 
and you and I can play patty cake and we can have a cute little sermon this morning and we can all go home and not have church tonight and everybody's happy to eat our chicken dinner or I can preach truth and we might win our sons and daughters back. Now it's up to you. It's up to you. We have lost a generation of the church. Like the first time I took up an offering, I had a ring on and I was raised Baptist. I didn't know at the time I couldn't wear a ring. Of course, we can wear rings now. And at the time, that lady walked up to me and forget that a person got saved as I was taking up prayer requests. Forget that he pastors a church of God now. Forget that I felt the first anointing of my life. Forget that he pastors the Middendorf Church of God and just built a brand new sanctuary. But this lady come up to me and she told me I was going to hell because I had a ring on. And it about killed me. I didn't know. I didn't know I offended her. But I also didn't know at that time that she was addicted to certain things and she was having an affair. <laughs> See, we gotta be careful. Paul says to the church that we do not provoke our kids to rebellion. We need godly men to take their place today. I'm so thankful for women of God and the church of God especially. They carried us for years. They carried us. Birthed churches, birthed babies, sold chicken dinners. They did everything in the Pentecostal world. Assembly of God as well. Church of God of prophecy. Women carried us while men were doing men things they fought. But I believe there's a revival coming to the North Walhalla Church of God that godly men are going to raise up and take their place and raise up men again, not boys of the flesh, but men of the spirit that we might take this community for Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Pastor, how do I provoke my children around? Let me give you a couple of examples before I touch on two points. First of all, by being inconsistent. Inconsistency will push your children away. Up and down in all things spiritual will cause your children to doubt the reality of God. Yes, sir. They don't know what to do on Sunday because you don't know what to do on Sunday. It's quiet. I, I, I love you guys. I really do. They don't know. They get up and get dressed for Sunday, but they don't know because if you get bad, you're not going to come. So they don't know what to do. They don't know when to pray. Oh, they know that you want them to pray when you're out in public because it makes you look like a good church Southern family. But when nobody's around you, you don't pray. Come on, y'all go with me. I, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to inspire this morning godly men. Our inconsistency. Second, is that okay? That's what Paul says. That's what Paul says in Galatians to Simon Peter. You're, you're two-faced. You've played the hypocrite. You are the actor when the right congregation comes. It would be like me when my country family comes. I put on the country song, but when my urban family comes, I put on the R&B song. You understand what I'm saying? And then when my church family comes, I put on the Gaithers. See, but sooner or later, they all gonna come at the same time. Right? And it's hard to find a Gaither, Southern Gospel, Alabama, Usher type song all at one time. <laughs> it's the truth. I guess you could go with Charlie Pride, I guess, but I don't know, amen? <laughs> Kids don't know who I'm talking about, but that's all right. Just got to kiss an ain't never care about me stop. There's some scripture in there somewhere, angels, devils, I don't know. Let me move on quickly. 
by showing favoritism in your home. Nothing breaks up a home like showing favoritism to children. Look at two brothers in the, in the Old Testament where mom favored one and daddy favored the other. Esau and Jacob is a prime example of inconsistency and not only inconsistency but favoritism. You will push your children away because you love one above the other. Listen to me. I wanted a boy and God gave you a girl. Shame on me or you to declare to God what I should have had. God chose you to have that boy or that girl because of all the people in the world. God chose you to raise that child. So how can you then look back at Creator God, Romans 1, and tell Creator God, you should have gave me something else. No, you should realize the gift that you have. You should realize I pastor parents and people in this place who will long to hold a child in their hands, but in the natural they cannot, so they adopt and become foster parents, and then you, mama, dad, will abandon your children because you felt like you deserved something else. You will push your child away. Being selfish, listen to me, stealing your child's identity. We said Aiden down recently because I saw an error in his life. I told him there are two things I demand of you. I demand, first of all, that I may pour into you spiritually. Secondly, I demand academics. Above, above anything after that, there will be academics. A's. I don't want D's. I, we don't tolerate that. He made his first B, and I thought Jessica would have, need Jesus at that moment. Are you listening? He said, what about sports? I said, I don't care if you play sports again. If it's your passion, it's my passion. I will stand with you. But I never want you to think you gotta pick up a ball because you saw an old picture of me back in the day when I was beautiful and I had a ball in my hands. Are you listening? 95 pounds ago, are you listening? It's hard to believe I play quarterback. Understand, now I'm more like office, guard, tackle, center, and all that. But anyway, he said, Daddy, do you mean that? I said, I do. I said, I love when you do it. I enjoy it. But I don't want you to think that I'm living through you. God has created you beautifully and wonderfully. It is your life. There are two things that I want to start again right now outside of family. That is your spiritual life and your academics because you're not going to be slothful and lazy and think that somebody else is going to take care of you. That is not scriptural or biblical. Outside of that, listen to me, Dad. You cannot live through your child. I know you, you like ball, but he, likes, he might like fishing. What does it matter? When you get 90 and 8, it doesn't matter that he he didn't do it just like you thought he should do it. What's going to matter is not the ball that you threw or the fish that you caught or how he did it. It's going to matter that you were there and you were active and you showed him the love of God. <laughs> Quickly. I got 10 minutes. Quickly. Listen, listen. Constant criticism. Constant life and death is in your tongue, sir. You speak in tongues, praise God. I believe in that. I believe in that scripturally. I do that privately more than I do publicly. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. But you hear me. If you speak in a heavenly language, then let your earthly language also be heavenly. I felt that in my spirit. Oh, I spoke in tongues last night. But then your child walked in and you told them that they looked like somebody else. Or you told them how sorry they were. Or you told them because you're good with your hands and they're not, so you made them feel less of a man. Let me tell you, sir, one of the greatest gifts you ever have or had is when you heard that boy or daughter cry for the first time. Will you hear me this morning? For every negative word, it takes 10,000 positives to bring them back out. You better get started. Your child should never leave to go to school without you, them first knowing. Listen to me, I'm not a perfect parent by any means, but I promise you this, he knows that I love him. And he knows I'm gonna be there no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. God gave him as a gift. The Holy Ghost told me when he gave him to me 
twice. Gave it to me naturally first, gave it to me spiritually twice. And the second time he told me, do not worry about your son for I will give, it to, give you to him in 10 days. He shall be with you. And then I'll tell you once again, my hand is upon him, do not fear. He didn't have to tell me twice and God did exactly what he said he did. He may not be what you think he should be. He may not even be at times what I think he should be. We kill kids. Look how chubby they are. Look at the acne on their face. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. Look at that. Listen to me. Listen to me this morning. Does my child wear everything that I want him to wear? Absolutely not. Somebody gave him $100 recently and he bought a pair of tennis shoes. You know what you could do with $100? Pair of tennis shoes? It was his money. He tithed on it. I took the other money and put it up after we tied and I invested it for him. But this one, mama let me know, it's his money. He bought something called a pair of LeBrons. What is a pair of LeBrons? You understand what I'm saying? Shoes look like a bunch of shoes from outer space. You got to put three straps on them and time. My goodness, help us. But you know what? I can't fight every battle. Daddy, you like my shoes? They look like they give you great ankle support, son, as you move across the sanctuary. Constant criticism will cause your child to rebel. Listen quickly, not being available. I know you work hard. I know you work hard. I know you're on the road, but schedule times for your children. Put time in there. Don't tell them about a God who, who they can't see. They can't see him because they can't see you. They can't see you model a godly father because you're not there. Schedule times for your children. Do not practice hypocrisy. Listen to me. Do not break continual promises to your children. Are you listening? I do not lo- like going to Carowinds. I think it's the most God-awful place in all the planet. Stand a, hundred, a line in 100 degrees for an hour and a half to ride a roller coaster that I can't fit in. Hello? For a minute and a half. Are you listening to me? To be turned upside down and lose a hot dog? I'd rather sit there and drink a Coke. But he likes it. I don't. I think it's right next door to the worst place in this world. I'll be Satan's right on the other side of Charlotte, right there. But he loves it. So we go, because I made a promise. I don't want to go. I don't like to go. I do not like it. I'd rather go to Dollywood because it's a lot cooler. Are you listening? Amen? At least they got some music and ice cream and Dolly Parton. I can say, hey, how you doing? But he'd rather go to Carowinds on that asphalt, but we do it because I made a promise. Listen to me, how much time do you have left? Don't tell me your age. Please don't tell me your age. Your life is like a vapor. You may not have another moment. Tell me about your children. I know you have degrees. I believe in education. I believe in that. I'm about to go back and get my master's. I believe in education. I know you are great on your job. I know you have land. I know you have money. I, I, I commend you. I, I mean that honestly, but tell me about your children. Tell me about those that will carry your name after you're gone. Tell me about those that carry your looks after you're gone. Tell me about those that you only have a short season. It was like yesterday I was changing his diapers. It won't be long now. I have to buy him a vehicle and let him drive around Wahala. You need prayer for that, by the way. Are you listening? Tell me what you're doing with that time. He said, redeem the time because the days are evil. Tell me what you're doing, grandma, granddaddy. Don't quit on us. Please don't quit on us. Please, please don't quit on us. There's some of these parents around here that don't know how to be godly parents. We need you to continue being who you are. You've been faithful. Keep loving your grandbabies and raising them up. Lastly, on this point, by abuse. You push your kids away by abuse. There's a way to discipline a child and there's a, a place that crosses the line verbally and physically. 
Amen? So there's something you gotta do and that's a close. Secondly, fathers are called to nurture their children in the discipline and the strokes of the Lord. That means to bring them up in spiritual food. Discipline means training. Abonition means instruction. We see this in Corinthians as Paul compares it to God raising us up. Listen to me as it close. If we're gonna do this, if we're gonna cause them not to run from the house and run from the church, there's a second part of that. As a spirit-filled believer, I don't provoke them to anger, rebellion. But that's not enough. Joy, that's not enough. The second part says, I've got to discipline them in the Lord, which requires encouragement and correction. One alone is not enough. Sometimes you've got to encourage, sometimes you've got to correct. We've got to show them how to deal with life's trials and still be faithful. We've got to show them how it is to live as a spirit-filled life in the midst of adversity, keep our joy. Amen? The world's waiting for us to give up on God. We've got to show them how to bury a loved one. I'll never forget when Pastor Bobby Wynn, he's about 90 years of age, when he buried his beloved wife, I, I booked him to preach. He came to Camden and he preached. Bobby Wynn's a prince of a man. Just to show you how prince of a man he, he is, when he was a district overseer in Orangeburg, they were trying to start churches and churches could not get loans. Somehow churches started popping up. We didn't even know if he had anything or not. But preachers told later on in his life, Bobby Wynn would give them personal loans to churches without any collateral so Church of God's could be birthed on his own name. Type man he was. He came to Camden and he preached a sermon. I will never forget it. What do Christians do when Christians' loved ones die? Our people were moved because I had people that were burying their loved ones. Pastor, why do you say that? Because we teach our children how to walk through this thing called life as a spirit-filled believer and not quit just because it seems like hell is coming against our home. Hello? Just because your child's not in church. Let me speak this to somebody. Don't you hold your head down. I know others are making fun of you, but you, you let that come off of you today. You're doing what God has called you to do. You keep doing what God has called you to do. And you remind them and the devil, this thing's not over yet. We need to show them how to work through disagreements. Show them how to discipline our time and work hard. We need to show them how to be good steward of God's money. First thing we've got to do is not cause them the wrath. Second thing, we got to show them discipline. Last thing, we got to show them the admonition of the Lord. We got to show them how a verbal correction, a warning, is a good thing for their life, their behavior, and their sinful actions so they can be changed. We have to speak to life to our children in the spirit and in the natural that we might admonish them to go deeper in God and fulfill what God has called them to do and what God has called them to be. Are you listening this morning as I close? Instead of going home and beating your child over the head, why don't you change your approach? First of all, if you're not living it, you can forget it. Hello? That day's over, saints. If you're not who you say you are, your children are not coming. Brother Nolan, I, I can't believe you made that statement. They're telling us at the youth group. They're telling us at the youth camps. They want you to be authentic, not perfect, but authentic. 
If you've got a struggle, Dad, you cannot rebuke your child for an internet struggle that you're struggling with yourself. But you can be honest and say, son, I've got a battle on my hands. And if I can win this through the Holy Ghost, then I can show you that you can too. But you cannot do this. Oh, I've never had that struggle. Hello? I've never done that. It's the hardest thing, Anthony, now when Aiden goes, Daddy, we hate alcohol in our family because we've seen the destruction of it. He's seen it. Not getting your business. I'm telling you what he's seen. But you know what was hard? Diane, when he looked at me, he said, Daddy, I bet you never drank, did you? And I had to sit him down and say, son, I got to tell you some things. Daddy was not always saved and filled with the Spirit. Man, you should have saw the look on his face as I, as I broke his heart. Are you listening? Now I could have lied to him and said, sure, son, I've never done that. But sooner or later, somebody's going to find an old picture. Brother Nolan, are there old pictures out there? Yeah, there are. Now they're not on a phone, they're probably on a Polaroid, but they're out there, amen? In fact, I know there's one old video at a party, I'm ashamed of it, sooner or later, somebody will probably show it to him. You know what I'm gonna do when he finds it? I'm gonna plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And maybe you realize that daddy killed that devil in the spirit, he can too. We've gotta be authentic and teach them. Why, and I close with this, stand with me out of the house, please. Because Psalm 78 says this in verses five and six. It says that we should teach our children to make it known to our children. Why? That the generation to come might know him. And that the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare to their children. Listen, men. Where's David? Is he in here? That's all right. Give me the, how many Williamsons? If you're Williamson, raise your hand. Come here quickly, quickly. Come here, come here. I know there's about 10 of you. Come here, come here. <laughs> Pastor Wade, step in. Step in, Pastor Wade, come here. Quickly, come on, Pastor Wade. <laughs> how many would say that this is an anointed man of God right here, Amen. I want you to get an order of ages. Order of ages. You're the oldest. These some smart boys right here. Praise God. Amen. This one, first through her. Next generation would be a gap. Leave me just a little gap. Is David. You didn't know when you first got saved and you were trying to work that thing out of just being sanctified in the spirit. What you didn't know back in 50s maybe, Is that, am I close there when you got saved? And I'm being sincere here, not joking, but in the 50s, you couldn't see, not just to him, oh, this is great, this is your grandchild. These are beautiful men of God, this is your grandchild. But listen, the Holy Ghost back in verse chapter 78 says, teach it to your children. Teach it to her, whether she wants it or not. Don't beat it overhead, but live it. Guide it. Let her see it in you. Let her see what real love is. Let her see 1 Corinthians 13. And brother, wait, what you thought would just go to Tracy, it didn't just go to Tracy. But it went to Ben, Isaac, Nate, Caleb. Oh, not just Caleb. Not just Caleb. How many babies you got? Three? Maybe one on the way? Go ahead, prophetic. Maybe another one next year. You know, hey, we're rolling. 
You didn't realize in 1950 that in 2018 you'd still be standing here in faith. Brother, it just didn't change you. And it just didn't change Tracy. There are great grandbabies who are now knowing what it is to see the moving of the Spirit of God and know what God can do in a person's life. That's what you have on you men today. That's the power that you have in the Spirit. That's the power that the blood of Jesus Christ has. It's not just about you. It's about three generations down the road. So with that thought, I want to pray for every father and grandfather, but before, just stay with me, man. But let me just, just pour this here. I need to tell somebody this. When that addiction is so strong, I want you to have a vision for three generations down the road. And you're going to be a bright light and a testimony to say, if God can do it for great granddaddy, God can do it for you. Spirit-filled man of God, we can't lead them to destruction and rebellion. We've got to lead them to life and fruitfulness in Jesus' name. Can we give God the biggest hand of praise? Hallelujah. In closing, this is what I want to do. I want every father and grandfather that would come. Would you please come, please? We have a brand new father in the church, Justin Willis. Laura just had their beautiful baby, Raylan. They're not with us this morning. We celebrate that. Wow, look at all these men. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Listen, mom, children, they're not perfect. They got a pastor who's not perfect. They got a pastor who's not perfect. I tell them that. But the blood of Jesus Christ still prevails, amen? If there's one of you that's lost this morning, this is your chance. If there's somebody here that's got a struggle or an addiction, there's no stones, no stones. Won't you grab somebody's hand beside of you and say, will you pray for me? I'm struggling with something right now. You know, there's probably a good chance that he's going to look at you and say, I am too. Would you pray for me? Now, this is what I want to do. I want every mom and child to stretch your hand this way. And listen, ladies, would you do me a favor? I know it's Father's Day and we've got to get out of here. But would you not just pray a cute prayer or quiet prayer? If that's your nature, that's fine. But I still remember the old church when a roar would come up in the sanctuary, kind of like a camp meeting. Would you really pray right now and let's fight the enemy and let's see God raise up God amen. Let's pray on three. One, two, three. Let's pray. Pray, 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 pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, 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 men of God. Father, three generations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, men. Come on, men. Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, let's pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray. Come on, man, pray. You can, you can, you shall. You're an overcomer. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray. You are a spirit-filled believer. Pray. Not by power, not by might, but by your spirit, by your spirit, by your spirit. Hallelujah. Do not provoke your children to wrath. Encourage them and teach them. Discipline them and guide them. Hallelujah. 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 Can we give God the biggest hand of praise? Amen.
before I dismiss you, we're back to normal schedule after tonight as a custom of our church. I will be here Wednesday night teaching the last lesson in the Tabernacle series. We'll look at the three things inside the ark. I will break down every story. There's some new things that I've seen since the last time that we were here. I'm leaving tomorrow to preach two nights, Monday and Tuesday, at the Lakeshore Drive Church of God in Camden. Church used to be on fire. It's gone through some hard times. I used to pastor there many, many moons ago. I'm going back, and I, I need prayer. And I'm asking you as my church family, I'm going to go by and see my dad tomorrow for Father's Day, preach Monday and Tuesday. I'll be back here on Wednesday to preach here. But tomorrow night about 7 o'clock and Tuesday night about 7 o'clock, would you be here in prayer for me? that God would help me to help some people in a church and a pastor that are trying to rebuild. And I believe God would do that. Amen? Amen. Happy Father's Day to all. Pastor Russell, if you would go to the door. As always, I love each of you. Greet each other in the name of the Lord. I need to see Sister Murphy, Vance Murphy, Sister Murphy, before you leave. Father, in Jesus' name, go with our people. Keep them safe till we see them again. Cover them, overshadow them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're free to go.